9 a.m. in New York, 3 p.m. in Johannesburg, and 8 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to the Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Schneider Bean from sundaybean.com. I'm a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations, and I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. I was doing some preparation for this week's guest, and she has a podcast. So I went in, I've heard some of her episodes, but I wanted to dive a little deeper. And I landed on something from November 25th, 2020. The title caught my eye. Top of my to-do list, book a therapist. And as I listened, she talked about how when we have a headache, we take paracetamol. But why don't we, when we have problems emotionally, do we do a mental health checkup? And it, it hit me like, like bricks. We check up for our teeth, so we go to the dentist. We check our hearts, so we go to the cardiologist. Ladies, we even check our breasts and our vaginas with the gynecologist, right? Like, why do we not check our heads? Why is there shame around having regular mental health checkups but no shame around going to the dentist. There's something wrong. And our guest for this week is going to help us go into a little bit more about what is with the taboo and how can we break it. And if you've been following me in Expat Happy Hour on social media, you know how important it is for me to break the taboos of asking for help and being straight about when things are not always okay. So it is my heartfelt pleasure to welcome Patricia Q. Jenkins. She's also known as the podcast maven. She's a podcast editor and podcast coach dedicated to helping female entrepreneurs create, record, and launch their own unique podcasts. And she's really amazing. I've known her for many years thanks to a business group that we were in. And what I've learned from her is that the idea for Podcast Maven came when she was living in Lebanon with her now husband. You know how it feels, unable to work. She too found herself restless and seeking an outlet for her creative energy. Patricia believes that every woman has an important story to tell and deserves to share their unique voice, culture, language, and perspective with the world. Right? You can see why it is my pleasure to have Patricia here because she too stands for women's empowerment. She hosts her own podcast called The Enterprising Expat, which focuses on interviewing expat women who've created their own businesses online. And that inspiration for the podcast stems from over 10 years that she's lived as an expat and her personal experience building an online business in a foreign country from the ground up. So Patricia, welcome to Expat Happy Hour. Thank you so much. I've never had such a great introduction. Um, I'm nervous, but I'm so pleased to be here. Hey, I am so excited you're here. And what I love about this is you and I met through a common business school, right? We did B school back in like 2013, 2014. I don't remember what year it was. <laughs> um, but at that time, I had no idea. I was living in Burkina Faso, and I don't know where you were based at that time, Patricia. Do you remember? Yeah, that should have been Lebanon-ish. I think, yeah, yeah. B school was definitely Lebanon. Yeah. Right. And then I had no idea I was later going to move to a country that bordered your home country 
of Lizutu. <laughs> so it's interesting how the world has taken us to different places. Um, so thank you for being here. This is the thing. You're a podcast coach. Yes. So why in the world is it important to you to talk about mental health on your podcast? I think the sort of woo-woo answer is because we are all human beings and we feel a range of emotions and none of them are good or bad, but the impact they can have on us can be good or bad. And as a podcaster, as as I have a platform, I think it's important to have those conversations. I think it's important to tell people, if you're not feeling okay, then you can access some sort of help. It is, you don't always have to persevere. Sometimes mm-hmm. you need to get to a place where you're thriving and that can mean looking after that aspect of your help. And I've already launched into a rant. So that's my short, longish answer to that. <laughs> you know, you, you crack me up because, you know, before we went live, I was talking about what we have in common. We're both absolute lovers of books. We believe in breaking taboos of mental health and we love podcasting. But I think one thing you might not know about me that's probably very different from you is what you shared in that podcast that I mentioned at the top of the episode was if you have something, you'll you'll be quick to take something for it. Like if you have a headache, you'll take aspirin. And um, which is so smart, right? Like, hello, <laughs> yeah. like let's reduce pain. I am the opposite. <laughs> I'm like, no, it doesn't hurt that bad. Like, I'll just keep, and this is something I've tried to deconstruct over the last decade. Like, my (laughs) old pattern, my old pattern was just keep, take it on, put it on more, more, more. And only to where I'm practically at the breaking point would I ask for help. And, and that I've had to reverse in the last decade, right? I didn't, I didn't have a choice. But an, an example of that is when I went to, I had, I had a child. Um, I got a, my dream job during maternity leave and started working, was breastfeeding, um, was doing this in German and English, my work. And I went into the doctor and I was very fatigued and I wanted to find out what was going on with me. And my blood levels were so low. The doctor could not believe that this was the first time I was going into the doctor. Like he was he was almost shaming me. Like, he's like, you know, it was something like Sunday, your eye, you know, we treat, we do infusions for iron under 25 and yours are 12. Like, why are you just coming in here? So I have, I have been the opposite. And like I said, since having children, I've, I've been forced to, to change that. So tell me a little bit more about your journey um, and share as much or as little as you want around your personal journey what does that mean for you to take care of your mental health and why is that important? Okay. So I think in some ways it starts in the same place. I mean, um, I have two stepkids and I came into their life when they were early teens or just turning into teenagers. And that made me see that, the way in which I'd been brought up, like disclaimer, there was nothing wrong with it, but the way in which I'd been brought up had very fixed parameters. And when you meet and get to interact and get to nurture 
somebody who's been brought up in a slightly different way or different environment, um, that just sort of broadened the way I see the world. And then it also um, broadened the way that I look at my emotions and how I interact with people, how I show affection and all of this kind of thing. So I always wanted to be an example for my kids. I didn't want to be that person who tells them what to do. Well, I am, but but I also wanted <laughs> them to see me. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. also, to, I'm going to tell you what to do, but I also <laughs> wanted them to see me living it, to see it in my actions every day. And um, growing up, my, my home wasn't, hmm, it wasn't the warmest home all of the time. And there were incidences of, well, let's not sugarcoat it. There was domestic abuse. So even one incidence can have an impact on you growing up mm. as a child. So there mm. was that. And I think in some ways I learned how to play it safe and mm -hmm. sort of make myself small. And that is the way I learned to interact with the world. But it now... I could see that it was holding me back as an adult because I didn't always have the skills to interact with different people in different ways. And I didn't want my kids to grow up learning my fears and shrinking themselves. So that's the backstory as to why I decided, you know what, um, and you can bleep this out, Trish, you need to get over your shit. You're an adult. <laughs> you right. can see where you want to go and you can't take yourself there. So what do you need to do to make that clear? So huge hats off to you for that. And you're in a cross-cultural relationship. Our listeners might not know that. Do you want to share a little bit about some of the cultural dynamics that were going on that added to the different family cultures that you were navigating in addition to maybe some other cultural challenges or differences that, that sort of added to this level of complexity you were navigating? Yeah, sure. I think that where... Um, my partner and I mostly diverged in opinion is on how to raise kids. Um, I was kind of raised in a do as I say <laughs> kind of mm -hmm. background. And my, my, my husband is more of a, okay, let's talk about it. What do you think? Now, growing mm -hmm. up, children didn't have opinions. They, mm -hmm. that, that was my upbringing. But then I actually had to open myself to, okay, you know what? Nobody's going to die if you hear what they have to say. And mm -hmm. <laughs> it's easier to make a teachable moment if you listen to somebody's opinion. Um, so we diverged there because I there are some things where I will just say, this is what we're going to do. I don't want any feedback from you. Just go do it. Mm -hmm. But um, I learned to not negotiate with my kids. I do not negotiate. I learned to... We learned to like each other. We we actually mm. have a great, and I learned to get to know them individually as people, um, which was one thing that my husband taught me how to do because I was coming late to this relationship and right. I was scared the whole time. I'm, <sighs> I'm going to put my hands up and just say I was scared because I didn't want to mess this up. <laughs> totally, totally. Um, but with cultural differences, I think also because my husband has lived on the continent in a lot of different countries, he was aware of some of the attitudes and sort of things that I believe and do. 
um, that I'm just not going to have a lot of debate over. So not raising children, but um, I don't know. There, there are just some things like I will not do in my culture. Like singing at the table to me is a no-no. It, mm-hmm. It's just a no. But when, you know, we would get together with his friends, you know, somebody would start singing because some of them are quite musical. And I'm just sitting there with my mouth open thinking, what on God's good earth are these people doing? Do they have no manners? (laughs) That's so interesting. It makes me think about being from uh, being with individuals from Southern Africa and them not speaking at the table. Like meals are actually for eating and not for talking. And for me, meals are actually the time when you talk. Yes, yes. And then sometimes you learn to, I think as an expat in that situation, it's like you learn to read that situation and you become flexible in, okay, how do I need to behave in this particular situation and how do I need to behave in another? But um, now I'm more sort of, I like talking at mealtimes. It's a good way to get to know people. So Mm -hmm. this is what I'm going to do in my house. (laughs) Right. So tell us more about this idea about mental health checks. Like, what do you think makes it hard for, especially for expats? And I think both of our audiences are predominantly women. Mm. What are the pressures that we face in asking for help? So I think with expats, and I'm just going to say it, I was a trailing spouse, kind of still am or accompanying spouse, if you like. And I think there's a lot of romanticism around that title and that lifestyle. Sort of, you know, you're going off to a foreign place and you're living the life of luxury and you don't have to work and you're going to be pampered and blah, 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 blah. So if you're in that doing daily drudgery, I don't know, you kind of, I felt that I should feel so grateful and lucky, but I wasn't stimulated. I wasn't doing anything. I was bored. So I kind of felt like I was in a gilded cage, but Mm -hmm. I didn't have anybody to speak to about it. Um, Mm -hmm. Nobody to understand what I was going through because I was also, I didn't know any other expats. I just had friends at home who didn't understand my situation. So I Mm -hmm. guess as an expat, there's that thing of finding your feet and finding your place and also trying to make the situation work for you if you're not the partner who is working outside of the home. I think as expat women, that can be one of the the factors. As women, I believe we shoulder a lot. If you just look at the statistics of who's shouldering the bulk of the unpaid work in this pandemic, it is women. It is Mm -hmm. women. We take on a lot. I think it's in a lot of cultures in how we're brought up when we take the word nurture and we take it to mean carrying everybody's burden and we need to learn where to draw a line with that because we are also human beings. We need nurturing ourselves. We need support. So as women, we need to find some way to give ourselves permission to do that. Um, And I found that difficult as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So how did you start to do that? It got to a point where we'd left Lebanon, which I was not happy there. We moved to the US, which was a bit better. But I just, I wasn't making the progress that I knew I could make. I was always falling back, holding myself back. 
and just I was not progressing. So I could do all of the courses in the world, but it was really my belief in myself and my belief in my abilities that was holding me back. And that went back to always feeling that minimizing myself was the safest thing to do. And it it sort of manifested itself in different ways. And I just don't want to get to 60 and think I wish. So I just decided, mm-hmm. well, if this is in my head, there are people who specialize in this and that can help mm-hmm. me straighten it out. But I mean, yeah. this is a process that took me almost six months to a year because I yeah. felt so embarrassed. Mm. Where Tell me, when you say embarrassed, it sounds like it's coming from a place of shame. Where was, where was that? Oh, definitely. That oh, definitely. I mean, my parents, you know, they, they passed away a few years ago, but they were heading to their 80s. So this was the generation of mental health is nonsense. It's either you're sane mm-hmm. or you're mad. There is no right. in between. So Mm -hmm. that is the the stuff I grew up hearing. Um, When I was 21, I actually had clinical depression and I had to take medication for it. So that was my first brush with mental health. So Mm -hmm. from then, I understood the benefits of actually getting help before it's too late. It It wasn't something I shared with people. Like I would make sure that when I went to the hospital in my 20s, that it was at a time when I knew I wouldn't see anybody on the streets. So there's always that, that there was an embarrassment. There was a stigma that I had growing up. Nobody in my circle really talked about anything like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel that it's only becoming a more commonplace conversation, perhaps in the last five to 10 years, especially in, in my culture, especially right. in my culture. I mean, I'm talking to my younger cousins now. I'm like, why don't you just go see a therapist and they can be knocked off their feet, but mm-hmm. I'm going to say it anyway. So yeah, there's a cultural stigma as well because you, totally. you're either sane or you're a loony. Right. Yeah. Right. And then you have no space there. Right. And then there's you no probably, you put it on yourself saying, well, if I'm, if I'm not feeling okay. Right. So then if I have those two choices, what does that mean? Right. Exactly. And it makes you want to bury that even more. And I know that you're talking, you know, coming from um, Southern African region, but I've seen that in South Asian cultures. I've, you know, there's a many cultures where, where that is true of their shame. And, and what I've learned from my European friends is that they say that everybody in America has a therapist, right? Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. As a Brit, it's still hard for me to say, like, I want to go seek the, the, services of a mental health professional. I think that, you know, there is a lot of campaigns and a lot of talking, but it's still not commonplace just to say it out loud. So I just decided I'm going to say it out loud. It's I'm I thank you. (laughs) Thank you for doing that. I mean that because this is what I mean about breaking the mental health stigma. And I'm in, I just released a podcast 220 where I talked to a therapist and the therapists that I know, um, they are working around the clock because people are struggling right now. And they're talking about, even with their support, people are not getting better. They're stable or they're declining. Like imagine what would happen if those people didn't seek help. Exactly. And then these are only the people that have, you know, gone to see them and sought their help. What about the ones who have all of the blocks about seeing them? Like, here's the thing. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm a coach. So there's a crossover between therapy and coaching. There's some things that are similar and there's some things that are very different. One very basic way is to talk about level of functioning, right? So lower level functioning, for example, if you are a sports coach and you help runners, if someone breaks their leg, you can't have a coach anymore. You need to go to a doctor or to a, you know, PT, you know, physical therapist. So there's a zone where you can help. And then the other zone, we have to pass off to someone else. What I see is that when people, by the time someone reaches out for help, they are at a low level of functioning. Yes. And that if they had sought out help earlier, this, it would have been less drama. I mean, no divorce, (laughs) right? No alcoholism, no whatever. Like that there's a point if you actually get help earlier, you keep high level functioning. But the longer you ignore that, the lower the functioning gets. And then you have to have clinical treatment, medication, some massive intervention, or even there's damage that leaves, leaves irreparable, like scars. Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. And no shame. Absolutely. I want to just say this, like no shame to anybody who's been there because we're all human and we're all just doing the best we can. Right. And for some people, they need that moment that sort of, you know, uh, rock bottom to go yep. up. And I, I really mean that in my whole heart, no judgment, no shame, because everybody has their own journey. I just want to reduce people's suffering. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Sometimes all you can do is provide a space for people to talk openly. And I hope that is part of what we're doing. Yep. Totally. So that I'm hearing from you, you walked a really courageous journey, also going against cultural norms of your family, uh, family practices, right? And and you did it differently. Um, and now you're sharing it with other people. Let, let's talk for a second around this kind of intersection of being an expat and an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and what that means about mental health. What do you think there, the connections are there? Ooh. <laughs> okay. Well, for myself, it meant deciding where my boundaries are. It meant Mm -hmm. deciding how far I could push myself and really finding the baseline of, am I being lazy and just sort of skiving off or have I really reached capacity of where I could go? And I was finding that I was always stopping short And Mm. that was beginning to impact on my business and in my business relationships. So you talked briefly about coaching. Um, I had a couple of coaches and I was never able to click with them directly or work with them. And with hindsight, I can say it was because I had a bit of work to do before I could have a coach who needs you to function at a certain level to Mm -hmm. take you to where you want to go. But if the foundation Mm -hmm. is not secure, settled, then you're going to find it really, really hard to just use motivation to get you to where you want to go because your foundation is not solid. So that was the way it looked to me in my business. So, I mean, for me, the therapy is, is, is continuous. I've changed. I mean, I finished with one 
and we dealt with all of the childhood stuff and I feel great about that. So now I feel like I'm in a place where, you know, if I feel down, there are practices I can do. If work gets heavy, there's there's things I can do. But I know never to let it get to a certain place where I'm sabotaging myself or sabotaging my business. Um, and like we said at the beginning, it's continuous. You go to a gynae every year, have mm-hmm. a mental health checkup every year. <laughs> We're women. Right. And, and if you don't go, you might miss something. And then by the time you catch it, you've got some massive work to do, right? Right. And the same thing with mental, with uh, physical health as it is with mental health. I, I resonate so much with what you're saying because I see that a lot in my clients. I, I, you and I have talked about this offline about the program that I do is called Year of Transformation. And they, a lot of the work that I do with my clients is exactly what you said about believing in yourself, believing in your abilities. And it's so interesting. You said I was minimizing myself was the safest thing to do. Yeah. I feel really embarrassed saying that, but um, to me, it's a step forward to say it out loud Mm -hmm. because sometimes if you don't speak your fears, they're always going to keep you down. And yeah, and acknowledging it is the first step in moving forward. So I'm like, yeah, I felt that way, but feelings pass. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) But of course you did. I mean, there was a book that um, I read called Trainwreck and it talks about women who are successful and how they are thrown under a bus in the public eye. So of course you, your instinct to stay safe was to minimize yourself, right? Because women are often hated and mocked and thrown under buses when they are successful. Right. And I, I I get that it's a protective move. Yeah. 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 And, but the, the flip side is that we're not reaching our goals. There's there's a whole societal thing worldwide yes. about the standards women are supposed to uphold. And I call BS on it because if we didn't write those standards, I want no part of it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think no the flip side, when we're talking about entrepreneurship and, and mental health and, and living an expat life, for me, I think the the beautiful part about having your own purpose project or business, whether it's a book, a podcast, or a coaching, or whatever it is, is that it actually helps your mental health because you have a sense of purpose yeah. and you're making an impact in people's lives. So how has the podcast helped helped your mental health? It it's been affirming. It's been really great because I I kept it under wraps for a year. I do it for other people, but my own, I kept it under wraps for a year. Mm-hmm. And again, it was just that thing of I live such I live such a privileged life that you know people would say, "Oh, you're so lucky to do that." And I wanted to talk about all aspects of being an expat. So it it's helped me to understand some of the. Th- emotions that are feeling it has helped me to connect with women who have said that you know what actually yes this confused me or I felt that or I was in a beautiful place and I hated it or I've grown as a person because I now know what I can accept or not or not accept um so it's it's helped me grow as a person it has helped my business it has helped me connect with people it has just helped me thrive in a way that I didn't feel was, I didn't know was possible. 
it's it's mm-hmm. been an amazing ride. <laughs> it's been so so cool to watch you. Like I said, I you know, I had no idea what you were about to do right when we met back in B school. Neither I had did no I. idea that this <laughs> that these things were bubbling up. So it's been such a journey. And I think you know when I step back and I look at your journey. One, you started from a from a place where you were not feeling great, right? Where you you dug into that and you did the work to come out of it, right? And that's what I really admire about that, that you asked for help before it was too late. Thank you. And you're now using that strength and momentum to inspire other women around the world. Oh, thank so you. So that's, that's huge. It's huge. So thank you so much for for all that you do and all the light that you shed on the complexity of these globally mobile lives, especially as women and accompanying partners, um, where we have to get creative in finding purpose and meaning because there's other dynamics that are set into place where we don't have control, right? So I think it's such a wonderful contribution. Help the listeners understand where they can find you if they want to know more about you and the work that you do. Sure. Okay. So I'm a podcast editor um, and I am a podcast coach. So podcast editing, if you've already got a podcast, I will take what takes you the longest and what people really dislike and I will do it for you and I will do it well. So I'm a podcast editor. Podcast coaching is really for people who want more support or even their hand held through the process of creating a podcast. I am a nurturer in that way. You cannot ask me something too many times. I do not get annoyed. The company is called Podcast Maven and the website is www.podcastmaven.com. Just book an appointment and you can talk to me for 15 minutes for free, no obligation about your idea. My own podcast is called The Enterprising Expat. It comes out every two weeks and it's available on all of the directories. So wherever you listen to podcasts, have a listen to The Enterprising Expat. It's mostly interviews, but again, I do do some solo shows where I pull back the covers and I get a little bit vulnerable about what I'm doing Mm -hmm. and what I'm feeling. So yeah. I I love that. Those are my favorite episodes. <laughs> Thank you. Because you really do bring, bring people along on your journey. And I have to say, having started uh, my podcast, what was it, almost five years ago, or I think it's been five years, I was really grateful to have a coach by my side. For anybody who's nervous about doing something like a podcast and doesn't feel confident in the skills, hiring a coach is a really great way to fast track that and to feel confident that you're doing the right thing. So I would definitely... Definitely endorse that um, as a fellow podcaster. I did that when I started and it really helped me. My first episode was a disaster, but it was the first episode. And then you do the second one and you get better. It should be. I think that should be the goal. Your first episode should be a disaster, but you know what? You've done it. That is the goal. That is the goal. Keep going. Keep going. (laughs) That's right. And any last words um, that you'd like to share with our listeners when we talk about the complexities of expat life and the importance of nurturing our mental health. I would just say it is not selfish to consider yourself and consider your needs. You need to be nurtured. You need to be looked after so that you can care for other people. So 
don't be shy about just exploring the idea of looking at mental health if you are perpetually tired or you feel you just can't cope. Um, There are a lot of ways to access help. And if you need help, you can contact me and I'm happy to help you with that. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Patricia. She did a podcast recently about five friends that you need um, (laughs) while you're living abroad. The old friend, the hobbyist, the business friend, the local and the coffee brunch friend. I would probably add number six, the therapist (laughs) (laughs) or the coach, right? (laughs) (laughs) To, um, To get you by and get you further. So it's been so wonderful. Again, thank you so much for everything that you're doing. Thank you for helping break the taboo around Um, mental health. We see, as Patricia is such an example, if you're able to tune into yourself and realize what you need, whether you reach out to a therapist, a coach, or whatever you need, like fitness or a best friend, that you, once you break through that, you then have the momentum to create amazing things and serve others um, while you support yourself. So super inspiring. Speaking of inspiring... A shout out to my biz partner and dear friend Amel Deregi from Tandem Nomads for also highlighting entrepreneurship and mental health in her recent podcast episode number 212, Breaking Taboos About Entrepreneurs' Mental Health with Erin Long. I had no idea that was in her communication pipeline when this episode was originally published. And that says so much about how connected entrepreneurship and good habits for mental health are for your business. And in this episode is live during the six-part series, Expat Coach Secrets. So you can see it's not a secret that mental health is central to our success and how we show up for others. Don't miss this final week of the series as we continue to share success secrets for global mobility and running a successful coaching business. This week is also the last call for applications for Expat Coach Coalition. So don't miss the info session happening on the 21st of April, 2021. Details are in the show notes. Thank you everyone for listening. This is Expat Happy Hour with Sunday Schneider Bean. I'll leave you with the words from Glenn Close. What mental health needs is more sunlight, more candor, and more unashamed conversation. Um. <laughs>